Welcome to the BAST podcast again. I'm really pleased to have an old friend and an ex-student of mine here. In fact, we've been talking about um, how long it's been. Kat Stevens uh, came to me as a singing student back in 2003 and I was very excited to see her evolve not only in her singing but also in her decision then to take up teaching um, because she just loved the whole idea of making that her career. Um, she is a singing teacher and runs her own academy called Aspire Arts Academy in Toaster, uh, where they have about 100 students coming through every term. And we're going to talk about Kat's journey, the things that have worked for her, the things that she's had to learn the hard way. And um, hopefully you will also benefit from her experience of putting her academy together. So welcome, Kat. Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you too, Len. Nice to see you. Yeah, I couldn't believe when I, we were looking at the dates so how long ago it was that you first started. I know, it seems incredible. It really does. And I remember we always have this discussion about how you found me and you tell me it was the Yellow Pages and I say <laughs> I never advertised in the Yellow Pages. <laughs> I know, I know. Very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it is bizarre. But it sort of does go to show that... Um, you can, through advertising, actually get clients in. And I'm sure that that's something that you can talk about a little bit more with regard to your school. Um, but before we head off in that direction, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started, really, um, in the singing journey and how it took you to becoming a singing teacher? Uh, well, I'd always sung from a really early age. I'd always loved singing. Nobody could shut me up. Um, and then as I sort of got a bit older, obviously I did lots of solos at school and was involved in the productions. And then um, when I was 16, I was fortunate enough to work um, with a local radio station called BFBS. My dad was in the army and it's the British Forces radio station. Um, and I was lucky enough to do some jingles for them. One of them was to Janet Jackson's song, Black Cat. That's how long ago it was. Um, and I also started writing my own songs and I performed a radio road show um, live on the radio at 17, my own song. Um, then I decided to move to London to try and pursue the, the golden tickets of the recording contract um, with my own songs. And sadly, that didn't really materialize. I started working in the music industry um, and then fortunately found Lynn um, because I was doing secretarial work, which whilst I enjoyed it, um, I knew that I, that wasn't my calling in life. Um, so I found Lynn through the Yellow Pages and <laughs> she lived just up the street from me. And I'd had lots of singing teachers before and I, I have never really made any progress with my voice. And literally after the first lesson, I came away thinking, wow, this technique and Lynn is amazing. So um, that was the beginning of my speech level singing journey as well, because Lynn at that time was working closely with speech level singing. Um, and I haven't looked back since. So at what point did you make that decision about teaching? How did that come about? Well, funnily enough, Lynn kept saying to me, you can do this, you can teach. And I kept saying, oh, no, I don't play the piano. And he kept saying, no, you can do this. 
Um, and after probably a couple of years of telling me that I could do it, I thought, you know what, I think maybe I can. Uh, it was baby steps at first, and I taught friends and family, um, but I moved quite quickly um, from working full-time um, and doing teaching on the side to being a full-time singing teacher, singing coach, and working at stage schools, and yeah, that's great. Mm. So I'm interested to know, I'm curious, what was it do you think about the past singing teachers that they were lacking or, you know, that wasn't helping you? Can you remember the exact things? Um, there were a couple of things. I think the biggest thing that I remember about specifically two of the teachers that I saw was that they really um, didn't help me with my confidence. So um, I missed out a very important part of my story of when I moved down to London and was looking for a record deal. Um, I actually got nodules um, and I went to see the voice clinic, um, which they were fabulous and they went away on their own. I didn't have to have any surgery or anything. But the problem was that I'd lost an awful lot of confidence because obviously while you have nodules, your voice just does not work the way that it normally does. And even though I was healed, I still wasn't able to use my voice the way that I used to be able to use it. And I certainly didn't have the confidence that I had. So I didn't find that the two teachers that I had after the nodules were encouraging or helped me to progress. Um, particularly because they were quite, um, if I couldn't do something, they would tell me off um, rather than encourage me to do something. Right. Um, so, which I, I think, which was fantastic and what I understand now so much more through speech level singing and actually having a proper uh, technique, um, that it's, you know, a lot of the time, somebody just can't do what you're asking them to do. So you need to find something else that they can do. Mm. That's interesting. So um, how has that informed you with your teaching then, your experience? I really try to be as encouraging as I possibly can be. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, people have to take criticism. There is criticism. There are things that have to be said. Um, but I try to do that in um, as kind a way as I possibly can and say that obviously I can help with things that any issues that they have. Um, but I certainly don't tell them off if they can't. Mm. Yes, I always find that really interesting why people feel they need to actually go into that reprimand mm. place. I, I don't think that's really, for me, definitely not the best way of teaching. Um, no. It wouldn't occur to me to actually teach in that way. I find it interesting that people do, but maybe that's partly because of their their experience and so yeah. they've learned that from their teacher. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel that that's setting your student up immediately for negativity and, you know, you don't want to do anything for somebody who's always telling you off. You know, you want, you want to hide or you, you want to just do the minimum that you have to do to get the, um, the approval, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So then when you uh, – how did you get into from teaching privately one-to-ones to 
running your own school? So um, what I did initially was I started, because I knew I wanted to work with kids. I love kids. I always love kids. Um, I actually did um, start a primary teaching degree way back in the day. So my two um, passions in life have always been singing and education. Um, so they kind of went hand in hand. So I started volunteering at a local stage school. I'd go every Saturday and just shadow the teacher that was teaching, help with the class, encourage them to sing, sing along. Um, and I did that for a few years. And then eventually um, I started working at that school as a singing teacher. Um, and then I worked at another stage school. And then I worked at another stage school which, that was based in Toaster. And it was at that point, I'd been teaching there for probably about two or three years when um, the lady that was running um, the stage school decided that she was going to close the school. So a lot of the parents came to me saying, oh, you know, is there any way that you can do something? Would you consider taking on the stage school? So I had a summer holiday with uh, a one-year-old and a three-year-old to get this business off the ground. And it was hard. There is no doubt about that. It was very, very hard. Um, and I, I didn't put the fundamental business plan into place because I just didn't have the time to do so. Um, so I have always been on the back foot, but um, I do love it. So what are the things that you found yourself struggling with then with regard to the business besides the plan what other things did you find challenging I just feel and still feel it would have been great to make the decision myself that that was what I wanted to do mm -hmm. um because I felt it was very much more you know I wanted didn't want to let the children down and I wanted them to still have their school mm -hmm. um it would have been nice to make that decision myself and know exactly what I wanted from stage school, mm. um, which I feel I do know now, but I still haven't had the opportunity all the time to, to do the really fundamental, the business plan, the um, competitor analysis, the marketing plan. And I would just love, I'd just love to press pause just for a couple of months to get those things in place. Um, and just feel that I'm more structured and more organised than I am. Mm. But you're still, you know, the school's still going, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we opened in 2014. It's now, obviously, 2019. And we're looking to open um, two more evenings, because we only run on a Tuesday evening. We're looking to open two more evenings in two different local towns. Uh, we've just done um, our own jingle, for the uh, school, which was lots of fun. And um, yeah, it's, it's going from strength to strength. It's been a long journey, but it's going from strength to strength. So at the moment, how are you getting new customers and students? Um, well, we're gonna do a massive um, leaflet campaign. So obviously um, a lot of our audience are at schools. Um, so I have quite a good relationship with quite a few local schools. Um, so I'm going to ask them if I can put my leaflets into their book bags and they'll go home to parents. And I'm also going to spend a lovely Easter holiday with my five and seven year old, uh, taking nice little walks around the neighborhood and posting leaflets through the door. 
So there's a really exciting time ahead of them. So it's pretty old school. Have you ever thought about using um, Facebook or Facebook advertising? I I run also a lady choir called Songbirds, um, and one of my ladies works for me doing the marketing. So she just works part-time a couple of hours a week, but she sorts out my Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the stuff I have no idea about. Mm. So that's the other thing is, uh, is it is important, isn't it, when you're running something like this on your own to find people to help you. So absolutely, is that something you've been? Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I have. Um, I have um, a lovely lady called Lisa Desborough who's been helping me sort out my policies and procedures and get the administration straight so that's been absolutely brilliant she's been a godsend and obviously as I said Helen she's been helping me with my social media which again it's it's just actually having the time to focus on all these different things when mm. you're also teaching got a family you know so yeah I mean I, I I would not be able to do it without them definitely not but you're not willing to give it up no because, you know, obviously life would be a lot easier, right? Uh, life would be uh, so much easier, yeah. So what do you think keeps driving you? I'm genuinely passionate about singing and I believe um, performing arts is such a great medium for young people. I think it's confidence building. I think it's great for physical well-being as well as mental well-being. Um, I've... I believe in my small way I'm changing the world a little bit and mm. that's important to me which I wouldn't feel I was doing if I was potentially earning you know a hundred thousand a year and but in a job maybe that I didn't feel was making a difference. Mm. So what kind of changes have you noticed like what do you have any case studies or stories to tell about children that you feel you've been able to help through the academy? Um, yeah, I mean, I have um, a girl called Alex Atkinson. She's now, gosh, five. Sorry, Alex, if that's wrong. Um, and she's been with me since before even I took over the school. I've taught her since a very young girl. And she still comes. She comes every week, every Tuesday to help the senior girls. We've done a few gigs together as well, which she's really enjoyed. And she also helped me recently with the um, with the jingle. And we had to do the voiceover ourselves. So she, she did a bit of voiceover work. And, and we both left the recording studio, Fit Dog, that we go to regularly. Uh, we were absolutely buzzing. We were so you know, uh, impressed with our achievement because we'd never done a jingle before and, you know, it, we had 30 seconds. So, yeah, and she's she loves it. You know, she really does love it. And I've got quite a few of my students I invited back to a, um, a senior group at the end of last term for a special performance. We did songs from The Greatest Showman. Um, and a lot of them, they've gone out into the world. They're working. Um, but it was so lovely for them to reconnect with their passion. And, you know, what they really love is singing. And even though you're working full time, there are still other ways. You don't have to be a recording artist or a member of a cover band, or there are other ways of still doing what you love. So, um, 
Yeah, it's been great. Um, I would also like to say, which is a little bit negative, but I had two students very recently that I've taught from a, a very young age, they've been involved in a couple of our productions as well and had lead roles. Very, very confident, competent, wonderful singers who went recently to um, go on to further education. They went to do a performing arts, BTEC or whatever it's called now, at our one of the local schools. And sadly, after a year, both of them left and have now come back doing A-levels, and both of them, their confidence in their voice is, has really depleted, significantly depleted. Mm. Um, and they found the whole process really debilitating. Mm. It's, it's so really, how, how do you think a singing teacher can help students like that? Because I know that does happen. Yeah. Well, um, one of the girls is coming back for lessons now, which is fabulous. And funnily enough, she was involved with the jingle as well. She did, because we actually wrote pop, pop, it's not a song really, is it? It's a jingle. Mm. But she came up with some of the ideas for the jingle and she's going to sing her first solo since coming back to me next Friday at our singing concert. And I can't wait to hear it. That's great. So she's hopefully back on the road to mm. enjoying her singing again and, and getting out there and performing, which is what she loves to do. Do you think maybe they could have been better prepared before they went into the college? Well, interestingly, um, yes. And obviously, I wish I had been better informed and could have informed them. Um, because I have a student now who's looking to go down the same avenue. And I have spoken with parents and raised my concerns. Obviously, what they decide to do is entirely up to them. But I have expressed my concern. Um, because I also have students that have gone to a different local performing arts school and they've had a very different experience. Mm. So, again, you know, I've, I've been completely fair and just said, you know, what that it is my opinion, but obviously, you know, whatever they feel is best. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about... Um, I know quite often when I'm talking to you, you're in the midst of preparing for some major performance um so what kind of things do you put on during the year <laughs> we do so much we do it is quite incredible really what we what we do um for example this week my ladies had us had a um, gig at an italian restaurant for um the ex-chairman of the um, local council um, and then tonight we're performing at a charity gig at the school that I teach at uh, so the ladies are performing I'm performing um, and then tomorrow we are part of the Rotary um, Young Musicians competition so we're off to the um, district finals with some of our pupils in Leicester so um, that would be a nice busy day as well um, and then next Friday, we have a singing concert at school, which is a good two-hour concert, which will feature soloists, groups. Um, yeah, so the whole shebang. Because I know sometimes you put on shows, don't you? We've so done two shows so far. We did um, Lion King Junior mm -hmm. and Aladdin Junior. Um, we chose Disney for multiple reasons, obviously mainly because I feel it is very child-friendly. 
mm. um, and they're familiar with the content. Um, but also it was so lovely because we were able to take them down to London and take part in a workshop um, with um, some of the cast members, learn some of the actual choreography, um, go and see the show, and then we put on the production a few months later. So, you know, the whole, it was to give them that whole rounded experience was really quite incredible. Yeah, so, so let's go into the nitty gritty of what it takes. So how do you, um, how did you get that opportunity to do workshops with the actual show? Is that something they do on a regular basis? It's something that Disney run. Okay. So you contact Disney. Um, they run the performance. They do a couple of different workshops, I believe. They're, um, they're in the week, mainly. So that's one thing to consider, obviously, because it is taking children out of school. Mm. Obviously, some schools might have difficulty with that. So again, to sort of maybe plan in advance and ask the school if it's something they're going to be able to incorporate into their curriculum. But bearing in mind that they do their curriculum, you know, a couple of years or a year in advance. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so um, do you have to pay to do a Disney show? Yeah, you do. You uh, you pay a license fee for the show, and then you also pay. Um, a percentage of your ticket sales. So what's the licence fee cost then? It depends on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, they can range, I believe, um, from sort of probably about 400 up to you could pay 1,500 for a show. Mm. Um, you don't tend to be able to get a licence for shows that are running. So right. you can get a licence, for example, for Wicked or Frozen or, you know, that sort of thing. But you, there are quite a lot of shows that you can get licences for. But you said you did The Lion King, and that's a show that's running. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I contradict myself. Yeah, no, I was just curious to know. Maybe it's because it's a junior version instead of... Yes, it is. Yeah. It's exactly that, yeah. Um, okay, so... So you decide the show, you pay a licence, and then if you're doing something Disney-orientated, you may be able to get some workshops connected with that. Mm -hmm. um, is there a, like, with the shows, or sorry, with the workshops, do you know ahead of time which which shows have workshops? Is that something they tell you about? Um, well, if you go onto the Disney website, then you'll see um, it is Lion King and Aladdin. Hmm. So then you get, what, all the music or...? Yeah, what they do is they give you um, a, a CD, which has got um, demonstration vocals and then the backing tracks. Mm -hmm. And then you also get the sheet music. You get a, a really comprehensive guide of how to put it on and also how to incorporate it into the curriculum if you were a school mm -hmm. and always doing it. Um, so, it, I mean, it's a fantastic resource. It's, it's really great, especially when maybe if it's your first production, it, it holds your hand through that first production. Mm. So who are the people then that you have to get involved other than yourself and your teachers? So what other personnel are involved? Um, parents do volunteer to help a lot. Mm -hmm. We've had parents. Um, we have 
two parents in particular who have been absolutely amazing. I teach a student called Phoebe Anderson and her parents, her mum and dad, have just been fantastic. They made all of the scenery for us for Lion King, including a lovely cave. And they made all of the scenery for us for Aladdin as well, including a very tricky sort of flying carpet. <laughs> They were amazing. They were really great. Um, the school has been really helpful and the school caretaker helps um, with all the lighting and the sound. Um, and obviously the teachers, we have a dance teacher and drama teacher, so they help immensely. Um, and then the other thing is costumes. So the first time I was fortunate enough to have worked at a school that put on the Lion King and they lent us the most wonderful, elaborate costumes that you need for the Lion King um, for a donation, which was lovely. Um, and then this, this time with Aladdin, we did hire the costumes um, from a professional costume hire shop in Danbury. And they were fantastic as well. Absolutely fantastic. So, yeah. What about an accompanist? Do you have an accompanist or do you use No, the people backing tracks are all have everything you could possibly right. need. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, how do you then go about doing the rehearsals or is that all formatted in, in the package? It is formatted in the package, but I haven't used what they format in the package. I believe all the rehearsals are. Um, but obviously it's quite different with us in our time constraints and what we need to do. So um, we plan that out when we have the auditions for the show when the rehearsals are going to be and when the show is going How do you select the cast? Um, well, obviously, I've only done it twice. But the first time it was, it, it was almost sent from heaven, to be honest. Um, every child that expressed an interest in the role was amazing for the role and wanted that role and were amazing in that role. So the first time I thought, oh my God, casting, quite easy. <laughs> the second time <laughs> was not quite so easy. Um, and obviously I don't like to turn anybody down. I don't like to disappoint people. And, and this is a, a big learning curve for young people. And even the audition process can be quite harrowing for them. So again, I do try to manage that as best I can and, and you know, yeah, it's tricky. So do you have any advice then for other teachers who may be in that position of having to do auditions? I think probably to, you know, prepare the students so that the student understands, so that the student also understands that it's not necessarily their voice or their acting, or their dancing. It can simply be the part in somebody petite, with dark hair, um, and a big nose. You know, it could be, you know, sometimes that is what's required for the part. Um, and also, a really big thing I find is because I've taught students and they've auditioned for other things, um, and, and come and express their disappointment to me. I've also tried to explain to them that when they audition, if they audition and they're nervous and they don't show actually what they're capable of doing, it's very difficult for the person that's, that's auditioning them to know 
that actually they're a lot more capable than they are because they're only seeing what they give them on that day. Mm. Um, and, and which is why it's so important to be, try and be confident mm. um, and try not to let the nerves get the best of you. Um, and also understand that if it does happen, that it's not a true indication of your capability or what you're, you're able to do. Mm. Yeah, that's good advice, actually. So other than obviously the business side of running the academy, what other things have been learning curves for you with regards to might be part of the business, might be to do with your your own personal journey or it might be to do with, I don't know, things that you just hadn't thought about or realised that would happen? Um, I feel... I feel mainly that I just am always learning. I'm always learning new things. Every day I learn something new, if not multiple new things. I'm really lucky to have met some fantastic people along the way, obviously yourself, um, and you've been a great help to me um, with learning the vocal technique, to find out all about speech level singing. You encouraged me to go over to LA and take part in you know, the summer camp, which was, an amazing experience for me. Um, and obviously, um, I still have lessons with John Henney, who's one of the speech level singing teachers on Skype every now and again. I also met um, a colleague, uh, Julie Gossage, and her husband, Richard, who run Vocal Balance and are incredible teachers and incredible mentors to me. Um, so I'm very fortunate that I am still every day I learn and I want to learn. I want to learn more and more and more. I know that, you know, the science of singing is very complicated. And um, I just, I recently also took the BAST course, even though I've been a te singing teacher for 12 years, I've become a singing teacher, which was bad because it made me, A, consolidate my knowledge. I met some new teachers which was fantastic it was just lovely um and and it was just great to be back with other singing teachers because that's what i i actually miss um is sometimes i struggle because i like to be with other teachers i like to talk to them about and have the opportunity to say oh that, that student's doing this you have that before um or even just repertoire ideas or you know, just, just singing teacher geek talk, really. <laughs> so um, with in view of that, how else do you educate yourself? So obviously you decided to come back um, and do best again. And maybe you've noticed a slight difference in the approach, you know, because even though obviously I was working as an SLS teacher for a very long time, I feel like I've gone in in a sort of beyond that if that I don't know if that makes sense or not but I don't feel so rooted in in that as a technique anymore yeah absolutely um so where do you get your information if you're not managing to go to different educational events do you read anything um yes I do read also I do go to quite a few educational okay. events yeah. <laughs> So, um, and also, um, I've been learning with John Henney as well on his. And he's just brought out a book, hasn't he? And he's just brought out a book. Yes, he has. Yeah. Congratulations to John. Yeah, um, hopefully we'll get a review in the magazine. About, um, yeah, one of someone's reviewing the book. So 
Oh, great. And, uh, maybe I'll get John back on, on the podcast mm. to have a chat about that. Yeah. yeah, that would be great. I've read it and I, yeah, I thought it was amazing. It's really good. Mm. So, He's a great teacher. He is a great teacher and a great person. So um, what about the future? Like where do you, where would you like to be in the next few years t- with regard to everything? Well, funnily enough, the biggest thing when I came down to Bass were the first 10 questions that were on that piece of paper. Seven. <laughs> seven. Seven questions, sorry. And um, because of the fact that obviously the biggest difficulty I have is that I have two young children and the time I want to spend with them is early evenings and weekends and a lot of the work for performing arts schools, obviously, and for singing lessons um, can be early evenings and weekends. So I would like to get to a point where I'm not teaching every evening um, and potentially having other teachers teach for me um, and doing a little bit more of the administrative side of life um, and building the school. Um, but still obviously be teaching because that is my passion and I don't want to let go of that. Um, so that would be the ideal of just of getting a little bit of a better balance mm. of daytime, daytime work and evening work. Yeah. From all the uh, conversations I've had with singing teachers who are parents as well, this is a forever balance that they're going to find. And yeah. I, I think it's partly... It's just part of the course, really, but also understanding that you just can't have the same kind of priorities that you did when you were uh, without children. <laughs> mm. It just changes and, and accepting that and, and just working around that until such time as that's no longer necessary as much. Yeah. Um, I did actually also want to talk to you a little bit more about your, um, your choir that you've got together. Uh, mm. Tell me a little bit more about what the impetus behind that was? Um, well, uh, Songbirds will have been in existence 10 years next year, which I find absolutely crazy. Um, I was not part of a choral group myself. I mean, I did do some choral work when I was younger and I was part of a ladies' choir, Julie Gossage's ladies' choir, the Lamp House Singers. Um, but it wasn't on it wasn't something I intended to do. What happened was um, some of the parents of the pupils I was teaching at school said, well, can't we set up something that's grass? So I did, of course. And we started with six ladies, bless them. We did our first gig as six ladies. And we sang, oh gosh, what was that song? I can't remember the song. It's forever imprinted in my mind. Um, but yeah, so, um, and now we have um, 25, between 25 and 30 members. We gig regularly. Um, I still don't feel like I'm a musical director, um, but we, it's great. It's, it's great for them. They come, you know, a lot of them are mums. It's their time. It's time for them. When we have gigs, we get, we get dressed up and, you know, they love the performing and when we performed on Thursday night, so one of the wonderful comments that we had was after we had an encore, which was rather lovely and I wasn't prepared for, um, uh, they said, it's joyful. 
And that's what is so important. It is joyful. We try, we sing from our hearts, we sing with passion, we sing because that's what we love to do. And we, we want the audience to have a good time with us. And and we definitely felt that's what happened on Thursday night. And it was lovely. And hopefully was do you audition people for the choir? No, no, I don't audition people. Um, no, I mean, you know, I want people that are genuinely passionate about singing and they, they want, this is their thing, this is what they like to do, just like some other people like to collect stamps or go and, you know, run. Um, but it can be difficult, obviously, if somebody um, struggles with pitching. I have had to ask someone to leave. Right. Or Well, actually, that's not entirely true. That is not what I did. What I said was, is that there was some pitching issues and that I would give her some lessons to see if we could resolve it together. Um, but sadly, she didn't take me up on that um, recommendation. Mm. So uh, what what do you feel is important about running this group? Because obviously it's taking out more of your time, but something's driving you to continue. Um, Why do you think it's important? I think it's really important that um, when particularly, and it's not solely, obviously, but from my own experience, obviously, of motherhood, that it, it is very life-changing. Um, it just consume, can consume you and consume everything that you do. Um, and I truly believe it's so important to keep something that's for yourself, your own identity, it's your passion, it's what you enjoy, it's your focus, it's what you want to do. Um, and, and again, from the point of view of that's so important for your mental well-being and your physical well-being. You know, we move while we're singing as well. So, you know, it, it's, 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 it's just invigorating. It really is. Um, and I think it's really, really important. As I said, it's not just mums, but, um, but I just think it's really great for people's confidence and for people's self-esteem. Um, I have one lady in the choir, she's a full-time carer for her 21-year-old daughter, you know, and she says it's her lifeline. She, she loves it, she loves being, you know, we have lots of fun. It's not a sort of don't talk choir. They do lots of talking. We do lots of singing though, but they do also have a social outlet and we're all friends. Tonight at the gig, it will be lovely because after they've sung, of course, they will have a few drinks together and, you know, celebrate and, you know, raise money for charity as well as having a night out and getting glammed up. It's great. So how do you pick the material? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I do tend to get um, SSAs, so soprano, soprano, alto, um, sheet music. And then I um, ask my wonderful piano teacher to um, create a backing track for me unless you can actually get some now with backing tracks because it's becoming so popular, especially after Glee. Mm. Um, so um, you can get the, the, I think they're made mainly in America, but yeah, I've ordered those and then the backing tracks. Um, I try to pick pieces that are uplifting, pieces that are positive. Mm. 
uh, things that are joyful, jolly. Um, we do some slow things as well, and ballads, but again, things with meaning. So, uh, we try to sing songs that I feel that they can actually connect with, and, and on the whole, they do. Sometimes, in fact, every time we get, oh, I don't like this one, in the first week. I won't name any names, um, <laughs> but mostly um, it's just the thing of starting a new material. It's always the same, you know, because you know the other songs so well and you sing them really well and then you start a new song and it's maybe not so great. And then I have to remind them again and again, but that's how it was when we started the other songs. <laughs> <laughs> so, um you were saying actually that you're you have a piano teacher, so talk me through that a little bit more. Um, yeah, I do. I have a piano teacher, Andrew. He's amazing. Um, I believe he's a Cambridge graduate. Very musical, um, and I have um, lessons with him myself. And I also take my students um, when we're doing Trinity exams. He accompanies them, and he's phenomenal. He's mm -hmm. absolutely brilliant. So, and he also helps with some of that oral work and their sight singing. Mm. So and what great. about yourself? Why, why are you doing it? Um, I don't want to be a concert pianist, but I would like to be more competent than I am. And I'm still songwriting. So that's a big part of why I want to learn. I also um, recently took up ukulele. I've been playing ukulele now probably for about a year. Um, and I have the most amazing ukulele teacher called Sarah Spade, who's going to come and do a workshop for us at school as well. She's a songwriter, an artist, fantastic teacher. Um, yeah, so I'm very lucky to know her too. I can't even believe that you're fitting all these things in for someone who says they're really busy. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't watch much TV. <laughs> <laughs> And my book reading isn't what it used to be. Yeah, well, you can do I mean, novels. Yeah, you can do audio books. Actually, I just bought the Joni Mitchell um, oh. biography and I'm looking at it going, where am I going to read that? Because I can't put it in in my, uh, you know, my, I, um, on my phone and listen to it on the way up to London or something. No. I'm actually going to have to physically open up this book and yeah. use my eyes. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? And I used to read, like, you know, a book every couple of weeks. Yeah, so um, what do you think has been the biggest challenge for you throughout this journey? Well, as we can hear at the door right now, <laughs> mummy, mummy, mummy. <laughs> uh, they've just come back from gymnastics with Daddy. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's prioritising them when there's an awful lot going on. Um, and making sure that they have quality time with me um, and really enjoy the time that we spend together mm. and know just how much I adore them and how lucky I am to have them. Mm. And, you know, I count my blessings every day and they are such a massive, monumental part of my life and I couldn't love them more. Do you think either of them are going to end up following the path of singing? If I'm honest... I really would love them to get a kind of normal job, you know, maybe a doctor or maybe a lawyer or a vet. 
bet that sounds quite nice. <laughs> um, you know, fairly lucrative, so they can be fairly well off and have a nice, easy life or easier life. Um, but they both sing non-stop um, and they both love it. So I don't know. Whatever they decide, obviously, it's not going to be my decision. But I probably will keep... You know, they want to be a doctor at the moment and the other one wants to be a fashion designer. So we're keeping oh, what? a fashion designer. Oh, fashion designer. Okay. Yeah. Right, well... I want to say thank you, thanks to you, Kat. It's been great to catch up with you and just hear a little bit more of your background story because obviously most of the time when we're together, we're focusing on one aspect of what you need. Um, so, yeah, I look forward to hearing how things go over the next few years and that you're able to get back some more time so you can spend that with your family. And, uh, yeah, i I'm, I'm sure that there'll be more shows coming up. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so thank you very much for um, telling us thank your story. Thank you. And I hope that I can help other teachers. So if people want to connect with you, how can they do that? Um, uh, through my email, which is cats at catstevens.com. It's Catherine with a K and Stevens, T H, um, or the Fire Arts Academy website. Um, and as I said, I do, when we have teacher conferences in London, I am regularly coming down. And, and I actually went to my first Midlands teacher conference. It's very exciting. Mm. in the Midlands, and it was amazing. It was really good. Yeah, I think we're probably going to put something on in August. I've been putting feelers out Brilliant. on Facebook. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. We'll see you later. I'll see you later. Thank you very much, Lynn. Do, 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 do.